Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Without selling your soul. 
And uh, you can find out more about that at thefilmcollaborative.org. We're going to talk to Ori, but let me, Orly, uh, we're going to talk to her first, but let me uh, give you a little bit of introduction. She's been on the show at least twice before, chock full of important information. If you haven't yet heard what she has to say, go back after this live show today or after the archive show and listen to the other ones as well. You're going to wish or you're going to want to. Um, she is the co-director, co-executive director of the Film Collaborative. Now, the Film Collaborative only works primarily on distribution, sales, licensing, and contract negotiation services with a focus on new media digital distribution. She also handles theatrical releases. She's a big picture thinker. She created the Film Collaborative in response to a dominant and, and overarching structure that favors middlemen not filmmakers. And so in response to in trying to eliminate the middlemaker and, and get her, the films out, she created this company. And her intense diligence in protecting filmmakers' rights and revenues is equally matched by her passion for art film and socio-political issue-focused documentaries, or at least committed to helping artistically and intellectually rigorous and important films reach their respective audiences by way of a financial model that is sustainable for filmmakers. Now, she's also the programming consultant at Palm Springs International Film Festival and programming associate for documentaries at Sundance. And uh, and I, without any um, more hesitation, I want to bring Orly on. How are you today, Orly? I'm I'm doing great, Rex. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I should I should correct that I'm no longer doing the Sundance programming thing. I just can't. I couldn't do both, but at the same time, so just just FYI, I'm no longer doing that. People shouldn't send me their documentaries for Sundance anymore. But anyway, I'm doing very well. Very happy to be here with you. And we're very happy, and I'm very happy to have you back. So uh, thanks for being here. And today is the launch of this uh, important book, Selling Your Film Without Selling Your Soul. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your collaboration with uh, John Reese and Sherry Candler? Now, both of those have also, are also friends and have been guests on um, uh, my show, Rex Sykes Movie Beat. Uh, John has written a book called Think Outside the Box Office and, and is a documentary filmmaker, filmmaker as well, and Sherry Candler's PR and marketing. So you've teamed up with you know some really special people, including yourself, uh, to write this book. Now, tell us uh, a bit about the book. Sure. And, uh, um, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> just going to say, tell us about the book and why uh, why you chose to write it. Um, you know, the idea came to me a little over a year ago, uh, and I guess I just figured, you know, I'd read all these – I'd read lots of books, um, and John's book is fantastic, uh, I think I saw the box office, and he actually interviewed me for it as well, and it's a great resource. So I didn't feel the need to do something like that because it's already been done, and it's been done so well, and he can update it and all that sort of thing. But the one thing I realized hadn't been done was a book about case studies um, that revealed the real numbers of distribution. And um, it's something that I'm always trying to get at from filmmakers. It's something I'm always sharing uh, with filmmakers in consultation and discussion in the blog. Um, we are very transparent about the business that we do at the Film Collaborative, and we, we encourage folks to be transparent uh, internally within, between themselves um, and, in, and in community with each other because that's the only way that people can get real information and we can stop the sort of madness of the myth-making that goes on, you know, and people just sort of, uh, you know, trying to figure it out without without the proper information with misinformation. So this book was, you know, sort of born, the idea of it was born out of that kind of thinking and rather than just, you know, go it alone, the collaborative is, of course, is our name about collaboration. So I figured, okay, let me bring in two folks who are, 
of like mind and philosophy and thinking in most respects. Um, and, and the ways in which we're different is also great and very important as well. So it's a perfect balance, perfect combination. And Sherry Candler had been uh, doing our uh, social media and marketing out and all that sort of outreach um, from the beginning. And we were so impressed with her work for us and for others and just the work that she does um, in her business. So, you know, we really definitely wanted to work with her and, of course, John, for the reasons I mentioned. So that's the that's the way the book came about. And um, And then we just kind of all thought of different case studies that we felt were – um, an interest, you know, it was important to have a cross section, right? Not to have just documentaries, not to have just narrative, uh, you know, to have a mixture of different kinds of films. So we 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 worked on that. I mean, there were there were case studies that we considered doing that we ended up not doing because the you know the team, the filmmaking team, couldn't be as transparent as we would require, uh, or other folks just didn't have the time to do it yet. So there'll be perhaps in the next edition of the book that sort of thing. Um, but that was the sort of guiding principle behind the book and the way we went about it. And we, you know, we didn't let anyone have editorial control over the book. Um, the, the, you know, the, the book is sponsored, and those sponsors came after the content, not before. And they certainly had no control over the book and had no impact on, you know, which vendors we covered and didn't cover. And there, there are plenty of vendors that are covered in the book that are not sponsors. And um, so, you know, that's that's the way the book went down. And it's called Selling Your Film Without Selling Your Soul. So that's it. That's It's all about uh, showcasing ways that filmmakers get their films distributed without um, having to give up all rights, um, you know, doing it more DIY or hybrid style or peer-to-peer style, which is a really a fascinating new model, or not, not necessarily even new, but newer, uh, meaning being more, I think, being more utilized and is an even more vital option today. Um, and there are also examples of filmmakers who... Uh, learned lessons, some hard lessons in in, in uh, attempting the, the the traditional way, or in trying that out, and and then sort of went, you know, took a little bit more of a DIY path, and and then there's also you know there are examples of a hybrid approach where a little bit of both works. So that's a that's a cross section there in the book. Wow! Now it's coming out today. You launched it today, and uh, it's selling your film without selling your soul. And let's see, there are digital formats that uh, people can get this book today absolutely free. Yeah, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Um, so here's the, so <laughs> if, if you go to the website, I, you know, here's the thing. I, I'm, like, just having my coffee this morning because I'm in Los Angeles early here. So, I, you know, I recommend that you go to the website and, and look at all the formats available in our store just so you don't rely on me. Um so you go to sellingyourfilm.com and then go to the store and you'll see. But the, the formats, there's always going to be a PDF format that is free. That PDF, you know, you're not you're not going to be able to print it um, or, you know, send it around the world because you'll have to just, you know, go through our site to get it. But um, that will always be available for free. And for this whole month, for September, um, the other formats are made available for free. The, the a format that you can use on your Kindle, on your on your on your um iPad, uh, those formats will all be available for free on the site. You can download them today. Um, you know, we're also going to be available through the Nook store and the Sony, you know, the Sony Reader uh, storefront. So uh, as of October 1, there'll be low price points for those formats. Um, actually, the, the truth is Amazon wouldn't let us make it for free. So 
you, we, we have that Kindle format available on our site you can download today, and there's a little video to show you how you can convert it so you can have it on your Kindle. But if you go to the Amazon store today, we just couldn't get them to give it for free, so then you'd have to pay like $1.99, I think. But meaning you can get it for free through our site or go to the stores and pay the little nominal fee. And then um, as of October 1, all the digital formats will, will start to slide up and be like four ninety nine and uh the, there's a printed format which is a regular paperback book which is nineteen ninety five. Um that's the suggested retail price, but if you buy it through our store, uh we're selling them in nine ninety five. So and Amazon when Amazon will have the printed format as well, um uh, as of in October and then I'm sure they'll discount it too. Now the one thing I have to say is some of the formats have enhanced they're enhanced. They have videos with filmmakers. There are eleven uh filmmaker interviews in the in the in the enhanced book for for example for um the iPad for you know the Apple, the iBook. So um just know that that you can choose which format you want for your devices and whether you want to see videos of filmmakers or you just want to see the stripped down information. But yeah, this month free. Well, you get a lot of stuff there and uh we should say that uh it is selling your film.com sellingyourfilm.com is the website in the chat room uh, I, I see Jake thank you he has put the uh, website sellingyourfilm.com slash store up and so that uh, is where people can go Facebook also you can go to selling your film without selling your soul you have a Facebook page there and uh, the film collaborative is uh, is the website dot org it is spelled like it sounds the T-H-E-F-I-L-M Collaborative, C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-I-V-E dot org. So those are some of the websites, and you're certainly going to want to take advantage of this uh, today, or this month, help share and, uh, and and make this news available to your other friends. Go tweet live about it right now and Facebook and, and spread that word. But, uh, but uh, and let me ask you about the book, and then I want to get into some of the content of the book as well. How is this book, I mean, this is this is really the first, you know, kind of uh, multi-platform uh, case study book on, on uh, do-it-yourself and hybrid, you know, distribution and and, uh, and things like that. But how is it different than any other book on independent film distribution? Well, it, uh, it is a. It's the first multi-platform book, so that's one. As you, as you noted, and uh -huh. b. The real numbers part of it is what's different. You know, I've never seen, and no one I know has ever seen a book in which you start to read about, you know, exactly what people spent on this or that and exactly what they made on this or that. And, and even when a particular number couldn't be disclosed in its exactness because of a corporate contractual obligation, uh, it's, you know, a good estimate is given. So it's the first book of its kind to have the real numbers and to lay out real techniques. I mean, really going through experiences and exactly how things were done, um, I've also never seen that happen. So the case study nature of it uh, compiled as, as you know a cross section of case studies with all that real transparent info is is the is what's never been done before. And and that, and you know that's the thing is no, I don't think anyone needed another you know book of resources. In fact, I was just at a panel with Sherry Candler. She put together a wonderful resource guide. We're gonna you know share that kind of information for free as well and you know we have a blog you know there's all all sorts of information that we that we give away all the time this is meant to be a much deeper analysis with details because the whole point is if we do one of these 
you know, <laughs> Sherry and John might kill me. If we do one of these a year, uh, every year, but, you know, the point right. is that after after a couple of, you know, after two or three years, you're going to have such a really deep cross-section that any filmmaker making a film can find one that relates to them. I mean, every film is different. Every film's audience is different. But the, the point behind the collaborative is to build a network of filmmakers and information for them that people can refer to and sort of have at their disposal, almost like a vertically integrated studio. You know, that, you know, in the aggregate, the information and the resources allow you to perform every function that you would need in service of your film and to have the information to know how to reach its respective audience. And so, you know, depending on the kind of filmmaker you are and the kind of film you're making, uh, hopefully you'll find a case study that at least to some great extent you can relate to and apply and learn from. And, and every year, you know, the other point is to keep current, of course. So as technologies and modes of distribution shift, and, you know, the case studies will, will shift accordingly. And, of course, I love that. I really do. I, I appreciate that. And I, I think that that is, is exactly, uh, you know, what is, is more needed in our – our community, and I appreciate you for for bringing it together in that way. Uh, one other thing, I mean, this may get me in trouble with listeners uh, live or archived, but uh, one of the things I think has happened uh, in filmmaking, and and I, I say this with with my exposure to the film community, you know, worldwide, is that because it's so easy to pick up a camera nowadays, and anyone can make a movie, there does seem to be a lot of people who don't really understand the business they don't under they don't study it the way we had to say 20 30 40 50 years ago they they because they can pick it up and make it they they don't necessarily they aren't they aren't necessarily film cinephiles they they don't understand the history of filmmaking and they they don't you know the art or the business for that matter now there are certainly those that do and and the reason i say this is because i think it benefits anyone who when they're when they're making a movie if if their goal is to get it to an audience you should study you should study and you should study and you should study what other people have done who are successful so that it's easier for you because you know the road, the path that they took, the avenues that are available and open for you, and you also know what not to do, which is a huge tenet of, of my show here too, what to do and what not to do, um, is so that it's so that you don't make the mistakes that others did. You're going to make plenty of new mistakes anyway. So you build on the foundation of other people, and you've laid this out. You've you've put these case studies together. You've compiled information. You go, hey, check this out. Read this. Look, you know, so that you can, you know, find a way of getting your picture, your film, whatever it may be, to viewers, to, to people to actually be able to enjoy it, which I think is the ultimate reward of the filmmaker, uh, both financially and uh and inherently in the satisfaction that comes from knowing that people you know have seen your movie so uh, i really fully appreciate what you have undertook to put together and to make available and to make available for free you know and then at low cost you know and to and to also have a hard copy out there that people can pick up and you know take with them when they go to the beach so uh you a lot of great I, work I, I, Thank you so much. And I should note, we were not initially going to do a printed copy. This was going to be a digital initiative. You know, we're all about new media, new technology, new modes of distribution. We were going to do it only the new way. Uh, the fact is, um, you know, I mean, John's a published author with his book, and he had, he really uh, did feel that a traditional format would also be appealing. And sure enough, 
you know, the potential readers express themselves and they're like, you know, they just wanted a traditional copy to, to have as well. For those who don't have, you know, a device to read digital books yet or just they don't like to do that. Um, they just wanted it. So it's just interesting to note that the, the, the initiative did evolve in service of the, you know, in, in response to the need. And I think that's also important to know that you can have, you know, the best laid plans and then you kind of adjust because you're, you have to be open to receiving the information that's out there and not just be, you know, blinded. And I, I think what you said about filmmakers and jumping into this without due diligence is so true and investors do it too. Something happens like the brain just sort of shuts off. Um, because film is this combination of business and art, but they sort of forget the business part, which is okay if you, A, don't need to make your money back or don't need to make it back for anybody else. But film is the most expensive art medium in the world, and if you have an obligation fiscally to either yourself or to somebody else, then it behooves you to you know, do your homework and, and figure it out ahead of time. And I think the other thing is people rush to make the film, and, and, and it's always harder than they, you know, it, it always takes longer than they thought, and it's so hard, and they just kind of like can't, they don't have any energy or thought left for the distribution part, and they don't even think about it till later if they ever get to thinking about it. And that's a mistake. You know, these days, if you want to have your film successfully distributed, um, if you don't, you have to think about it ahead of time. I mean, unless you have A-list cast, which I'm assuming if that's where you're at, you're probably not, you don't need anything. <laughs> but um, oh, I should say you don't need anything. Sure. That's probably wrong. But you know what I mean. You, you, you know, you're in right. a different space. But, um, you know, Matt Damon will sell your film for you. So, or, or not. You know, actually, there's an interesting, you know, Best and the Brightest is a case study that involves named cast. And, and it's named cast that actually... Uh, was very social and and very active and had a lot of interaction going on um, within it, within each cast member's community and that's useful but you know you, it, it could also be the case you have names and those people are sort of dead weight and they're not actually you know communicating with their fans and mobilizing their fans so. Um, anyway, the point is uh, you, you need to do your homework sooner than later because the best distribution is such that is one that has been set up for properly in advance, where the community has been identified and targeted to well in advance of the film's first exhibition. So thinking about it just after you've had your premiere at a festival, you are like six months too late at the minimum. Absolutely. At the minimum. Some people some people mark it for three years ahead of ahead of making their movie. But that's you know not you know, that there's a range out there of course. And that's part of what the book is to show you, you know, the, the, the various techniques and the various um timelines. Well, I, I think that John's contribution too, you know, the notion of of let's say you got a hundred dollars to make your movie. Um and you're in development right now. You you haven't even you know fully got your script. You know you're just kind of thinking about it, but you've you've decided that you're going to move ahead. You know that there's going to be a, a, an official start date. I think John's John's what I think John offered was allocate some of those resources right now for your post production and for your marketing. You know, in other words, start start your campaign. Get on Facebook. You know, put your pages up. Start letting people know. You know, start interacting with other people and and uh, and creating a dialogue with with the fans, you know, or potential fans, and, and build that as you go along so that when you get to the point where you're now in post or then after post or at the festival, all of this stuff is 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 in place and has been, uh, in some ways, preceding your steps. And, uh, you know, and so that when you're making the movie, you now have a, a group of people to dialogue with about your movie. You know, so that, I mean, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that I think is just... It's it's so it should be so blatantly obvious to people, 
It's kind of like if you're having a party, you tell everybody, "Hey, I'm having a party. It's going to be next week." You know, I mean, you don't wait until the date that you're in your apartment or your house to go, "Okay, now I'm having a party. Who should I call?" Right. In fact, not only that, you don't tell them just the week before. You first tell them three weeks before, and then you send them a reminder one week before. Anyway, that's how we did our party, which is happening on the 19th in New York City. Um, but um, that's another matter. But you know, actually, yeah, with John's uh, John wrote a, a sort of an intro letter, kind of. A, sort of overarching template or I shouldn't say o- overview that that addresses or that, that covers the issues in his chapter and some of the things are stuff that we've been also saying for years I mean the uh, you know meaning meaning that's how critical it is that it's you know really in the minds of those working in film distribution you know you're sitting there you're raising all this money to make your movie whatever amount it is what's the big deal raise another 10 or 20 percent because you're always going to need it you're going to need marketing materials at the festival you're going to need uh, some time and or money allocated to doing social network marketing you're going to need um, you know, to perhaps have money to self-distribute. In fact, I would say, why not plan for that? It, it's like to not plan for that puts you in this horribly weakened position where you're relying on, you know, some gatekeeper to either give you the green light or not. And that green light is never green. It's always like a dirty shade of yellow at best, you know. So, so you know, I, I don't mean to disparage yellow in any way, but um, – <laughs> But I love the color yellow. We almost had that be the film collaborative color. But um, anyway, so you know, I, I'll say a few other little tips. Like filmmakers, um, they do they make sometimes very simple mistakes that can really be critical and, and damaging. Like for example, not having good photography on set. You know, that is such a burden. If I mean, even if you were married to the traditional model, that will hurt you because if you don't have good photography to to, to represent your film for publicity and marketing purposes, you're literally telling a distributor that it's going to be that much harder and that much more expensive for them to market your film, even if you want it to go all out traditional. And the same, of course, applies if you're going to do it yourself. You're making it that much harder. You know, if you have good image, that's going to be more likely to be used um, in the in the film festival catalog, in the you know by the by the publications covering the festivals, by you know whoever is covering your film. Um, you're just going to have a more compelling uh, image to capture attention and in fact that image should not be you know the size of the globe and such that it's you know hard to visit, hard to see or make out when it's small because in a digital distribution era unfortunately marketing whether you like it or not marketing images are usually small so you also need you know to create a campaign that works small so these are some little tips where you know if you have a little money set aside to to do some creative marketing work and to set the stage to plant the seeds in advance you're going to be so much more empowered even if it is to create value simply for sales purposes you know uh, you know which obviously we we almost always uh you know work in a hybrid fashion not not just traditional of course but you know e- for e- either way so i think that 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 advice that john gives and that we've been giving for years is is super critical and i think the other thing that john talks about that um you know, we've also been saying is to sort of, but he, I think, has really hit it home, really super crystal clear, is know your goals. Like, what kind of filmmaker you are and, you know, what your primary goals are. Is it to change the world above all things at any expense, regardless of recruitment? Is it to make money? Is it to find an audience? Is it, you know, to get hired to direct another to, to, to direct another film? To, you know, the hierarchy of your needs, to use a sort of a, a psychoanalytic term, um, is 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 critical because it it will inform your strategy as well. Awesome. 
That is absolutely awesome. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a short break right now, Orly. I'm going to inform the listeners uh, about a couple of things, and then we're going to come right back and continue this discussion and talk more about how you can sell your film without selling your soul. Okay, so everybody, Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you. That's why I connect you up with people who are making it happen. You can subscribe to the uh, website, Rex Likes Movie Beat, uh, by clicking on the RSS feed right there at the welcome page. And keep in mind, if you are listening to this live or archived uh, from Blog Talk Radio, you can make us a favorite or a friend by clicking on the buttons at that site. Do leave comments, both live or archived. Please leave comments and uh, rate and review the shows, the podcasts, because that extends our reach. And as always, continue to tweet live or invite people while you are listening because um, we do appreciate that. A couple of my upcoming guests. You need money for your movies? You want to finance your film? You got to get cash, right? Tomorrow, Paul Batista, he's an entertainment attorney. He's helped over 95 films uh, get move, get made, get their money. You're going to want to hear what Paul has to say. He's, again, he's a, a returning guest to Movie Beat, so you might want to look him up. At the website, rexlikes.com, search the archives for his name. He'll be live tomorrow, same time as today, uh, and help me spread the word. Rich Peterson of the Madison Horror Film Fest will be with us coming up shortly uh, in the following. Peter Marshall returns to talk about uh, our director series that we're doing, and many more guests that I won't go into now. But uh, So stay tuned to uh, uh, Rex Likes Movie Beat for... Always what I think are incredibly talented, fascinating people that I'm so lucky and fortunate to have on my show. And that includes you, Orly, so thank you for being here. And, You're so uh, cute. I was just think I was just thinking to myself, God, I couldn't have a radio show. It's a lot to keep up with, you know, what's going on and who's doing what and to then fi- wow. It's a big deal. Hats off to you, Rex, for doing it. Well really thank impressive. you. Oh I, I I appreciate that very much. And, oh, I should tell everybody, I also have a new YouTube channel, Rex Likes Movie Beat, just as it sounds, uh, spelled out on YouTube, which has some video clips of interviews that I've conducted uh, from the set of one of the movies I produced that's now in Post Girls Gone Dead with Larry Thomas, the soup Nazi, you know, and, and uh, there's some interviews of me being interviewed from other things and talking about film production. Uh, but there's going to be a whole lot more that's coming up. Uh, there's a lot that are being edited right now, so they're going to be little short interviews that will come up and you get to see different celebrities. Uh, so uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat on YouTube as well. Okay, enough of that. Um, is there any kind of theme or takeaway that you found uh, you know, through these cases, anything that stands out in terms of ingredients to success or, or things that people need to avoid? Uh, well, I think that it's exactly harking back to what we sort of left off with, which is, you know, the timeline, like the success of, you know, working on your community, building your community and, um, and, and, you know, also not just being in a sales mode, as Sherry Candler says, but, you know, also like being genuine in terms of the way you engage with your community, being consistent and prolific um, and, and giving enough time to that in advance. That that seems to be quite a recipe for success always. And, and knowing the audience is a recipe for success. Um, the, 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 the mistake, the danger was, you know, kind of relying on the traditional way uh and 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 thinking it'll work out, but you know we we saw in a couple of case studies where that just didn't happen, and then you know a lot of time goes by because things weren't. You know, there's an examples of what of what went wrong. You know, thinking you're going to go to an A-list festival and not having made given enough time to you know like Sundance for example, and not having given enough time to to 
get your site going and get your community going and all that's and engaging your audience and then you're there and you've got a big fancy agent but the sale doesn't happen and now what and now you're stuck and now you're sort of behind the eight ball so um those are the sort of yeah that's the that's the warning and the and the the former was the sort of what works do you you know let, let's stop a second kind of to talk i mean we're going to talk about you know do it yourself because that's 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 an avenue that people now more than ever have opened to themselves. Um, but how has, because you're, you've been in sales and acquisitions, you've worked the traditional route, you're now working with, you know, indie people to help them uh, sell their film in, in a variety of ways. You're helping them to learn how to, you know, hybrid distribute and, and to self-distribute. And all. Um, but how has the industry changed? And, and, what recommendations do you have for people? You know, they, some people are making movies for four thousand dollars, and some people are making movies for thirty, and some are a hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand. I mean, you know, various budgets, different genres. Is there a recommendation you can make for someone who goes, okay, I've got, I'm, I've got my movie. You know, do I go straight to DVD? Is there a chance I'll ever get screens? You know, what, what does the filmmaker need? along the lines of what we've been talking about, need to consider first in making choices uh, and then following those choices. Because if I decide I want to try and go a, 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 a traditional route versus uh, I'm going to do it myself or or I'm going to blend these two, uh, what, what are the kind of critical steps that somebody needs to think in their head first in, in terms of getting their movie out? That's a great question. It's a big question. So I have two. Uh, my answer is in two parts. So first is, you know, you know, your film is uh, it's either a documentary, it's a horror film, it's it is whatever it is. The first thing is, so my film is similar to what other kinds of films in terms of audience appeal. And I, you know, if I were making a movie, that's the first thing I ask myself, and I would turn to, I would literally call up filmmakers who've made films that are similar and or do research in another fashion. Um, that gives you that information. Uh, you know, read this book if, if there's case studies that you can relate to, and 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 put together some reasonable um, parameters of what is available to you for your film. Because uh, some films have the potential to sell to TV, others have significantly less so. You know, or some TV sales are you know six, uh, four figures, and some are six figures, um, and some are seven figures. But that that takes a lot. Um, right. So, uh, you know, some films have, you know, true international sales potential um, because, you know, that that business isn't anywhere near what it used to be, but it can generate some revenue sometimes, especially for TV sales. Um, you know, we almost always do it in conjunction with DIY. But anyway, so you want to figure out, like, in terms of, you know, the quote-unquote sales component, what is your potential in a, split, in a splits rights fashion? And then if you were really, like, just completely wedded to only traditional sales proper like you know the big dream which you know i don't think i think so few filmmakers can experience that so you know at the end of the day i have i have not seen a, a deal go down such that the budget of the film was paid for by the distributor or such and you know and it's so rare that a film makes all of its money back in that way so either you know you've got to rethink your budget or you've got to know know that you're going to you know by choosing that model, you're going to definitely lose money. And, the, you know, the whole point is we're trying to help people be more sustainable. But, um, you know, you've got to ask yourself, like, you've, you've got to do your homework and figure out your real odds and your real revenue sources. And it's different for every film. That's the thing. Now, the, the, the good news is these days, 
the difference between the DIY and the traditional distribution is not so great. I mean, the, the traditional distributors hire, in many cases, the same vendors that you could hire yourself to do publicity, uh, different marketing services, um, even theatrical booking is often not done by a distributor directly. Uh, and if it is, they often aren't doing the digital distribution directly. They're going through a company like New Video, which functions both as a distributor and an aggregator. Um, you know, the old days of not being able to access home video stores, uh, you have to go through somebody, um, and, in, and there weren't aggregators so much as they, you had to go through a traditional distributor. That's changed. There's now like a 100 different ways you can get onto iTunes. It's true that you can't do it directly, but there's a lot of different aggregation solutions, and we're one of them, and, and distributors another, and, and the new video is one, and, I, you know, uh, um, I was going to say IOTA is another, and anyway, TuneCore and all these other options. Um, so that you can pick your poison, as it were, but either way, you're not having to give up all rights. And the question will be, is is your film going to make more money on Netflix or is it going to make more money on iTunes? And you don't have to pick. It's not like you have to choose one or the other, but the timing of how you do digital will be informed by the nature of, your, of the film and the nature of your campaign, which will be informed by kind of seeing some examples of what came before you, as well as having a vision around your film, knowing your audience, knowing how your audience consumes films, how your audience engages with cinema and with, with, with content. Like, you know, different audiences have different patterns and behavior. Um, so, you know, one, one strategy could monetize peer-to-peer distribution extremely successfully, like really successfully as Sherry Candler's case is evidence. And there's three wonderful cases there. Um, and you know, or your film, your your film could be a per, the perfect candidate for corporate sponsorship. You could make all your money the way we the way we paid for this book, you know, by having sponsors pay for it. You could do that with your film, or not, <laughs> depending on your film and depending on your planning. So I think it's just like you've got to do that homework, um, and that's part of why you know at the Film Collaborative we've created this uh, social network called the Collaborators, which is sort of meant to be a Facebook for filmmakers. And the point is for filmmakers to share information. So that's, you know, that's what you got to do and see where the revenue is coming from. Even Netflix alone, the same thing, the fees can range from four figures to six figures. So there you have different revenue streams. Theatrical could be, you know, you could break even, you could lose money in the short term, but gain it in the long term because the theatrical release is going to give you the quotes you need uh, and the and buzz you need to trigger certain sales that make it all worthwhile um, which actually, for example, we, I just um, interviewed the filmmaker of Under Our Skin, uh, which we're going to do. We're going to cover that release in our blog on Thursday on the SellingYourFilm.com site. And um, you know, he he uh, you know he didn't make his money back all of it at least in the theatrical. Like he you know spent money on the theatrical. It was a service deal. He chose not to give away his rights. Um, you know, and uh, but he also sold DVDs at theatrical screenings and at festivals, and so you know he made some money back from theatrical, other money by selling DVDs at those events and at those screenings. But then he sold 25,000 units himself off his site, and so guess what? That made his money back, and then some, right? So um, it's it's kind of also just understanding where the money is going to come from for your movie based on your audience and based on your planning. Is it easy enough striking a deal with a, a distribution company to retain rights to sell off your own website? Or we just, we do that almost all happy. the time. Okay. We do that what almost do all the time, but that's just because that's we're the film collaborative, right? So you know that's sort of almost a, a guaranteed condition of any of the deals that we're doing. Like we, with we were here. I mean, we were here is a film that we've been working with that was at Sundance, and we did six different 
you know, there's six different distribution companies involved in the release of that film just in the U.S. alone. That's how much right splitting we did. And the filmmaker can sell digital and DVDs off his site. So, um, that, you know, I, I think that that's very often possible. And the truth is, if it isn't possible, you better be getting more money than your budget. You know, I, I guess the point is, if you're going to go ahead and give away all your rights to one entity, and you, you know, I mean, you got to, you've got to spend time analyzing: Are they able to monetize your film in any way that's better than what you can do? Is the money that they're giving you up front, or the deal that they're giving you, so you know, good enough to merit taking that risk? Um, yeah, and then and the question is, what are your goals? I mean, it goes back to John's, you know, questions and our questions too, like. If your goal is simply to show the world that you are an established director and you've just uh you know succeeded in doing this deal and you just want that to you want it to look good on paper, you want to do a press release that says you've got a distribution deal even though you know you got no advance or you might have even had to pay the distributor, it's a service deal but you want it to look like an acquisition deal, like you can do that, you know, and uh you know some people will fall for it. Um but will it be sustainable for you? Probably not. So, I mean, again, it just goes back to, you know, thinking it out and working your plan. And, and I think what I what I liked what you said, too, I mean, I liked all of what you said, but one of the things that stood out for me is, you know, if you're thinking giving up all of your rights, um, you don't have to. I mean, technically everything's negotiable and you can always, you know, close up and say no, you know, and, and go look for someone else. I mean, unless unless you're willing to give them away. I mean, Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing: if the distributor, if the distributor is who's offering you a deal, is so inflexible that they're not going to let you do anything that's sustainable for you, that's information you want to have up front. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like because, again, unless they're giving you such a sweet deal where you're like, okay, sure, you know, you're paying me so much money that okay, fine, no problem. I understand that you're just going to like own like this. I just we just had uh, Sherry Keller and I were at this. this business of film conference in Houston, it's called Swamp, and you know, this guy was like, yeah, you know, if you made a film for $3 million, I'm going to pay you $4 million, and, um, and then I want to own you and own your movie. And we're like, you know what, if that's what's going to go down, that's fine. But does that ever go down anymore? Did, I mean, frankly, did that ever go down? I mean, yes, it did. There are times when low, reasonably low-budget films had bidding wars at Sundance where that did go down. In fact, filmmakers made more than their budget. But that's A, of the past, and B, was rare even when it happened back in the day. So, you know, it's not like that was an everyday phenomenon. Um, you know, and it's not like it didn't have to involve, you know, the number one festival in the country, which, you know, not everyone gets into. So, um, you know, so there's that. And when we do deals, uh, the condition is A, that the filmmaker can sell off his or her own site. And B, the other condition we have, especially for international deals, which, because international territories are less mature on the digital distribution side, except for maybe South Korea and Japan. Um, we sort of uh, have a condition that if the distributor can't get the film onto a specific platform, that the filmmaker can do so. Um, you know, and and they can be in concert with they can be in concert with each other to make sure that you know because there is sometimes a timing and a you know sort of methodology behind it that that best monetizes a movie. You know, not putting it on a free platform necessarily if you have a particular transactional strategy first that you want to exploit. I mean. Different films have different strategies, but I think that's important. So you're not because the other thing that happens. This is a, I think, an important note on the sales side. Is filmmakers won't realize that you're by going with a traditional sales agent, you're very often, not always, but you're very often giving up all your rights, including all your digital distribution rights, and not just for the distributor. Not sorry, not just for the sales agent to resell. 
but rather they'll just then use those rights, exploit those rights, and you won't be able to. So imagine, I mean, these days, you know, so many films are doing those deals with international sales agents without getting money up front. Now you're giving up all your rights for a significant period of time. And if no deals are done on your behalf, the, the distributor will sit there and put your film onto a platform, do no marketing. I mean, right, that's the other thing. It's like, again, are they doing anything you couldn't do for yourself or are they even doing anything? So what do you need that to happen for? Like, you can go ahead and go – there's various different ways to get onto digital platforms internationally. Um, you know, you can go ahead and if you're building community around your film and it's a World Wide Web and you've got, you know, Facebook fans from around the world and you you even know where they're at. In fact, for example, Ari Gold of Adventures of Power, he had over 100 – which is in our case study book – um, he had over 100,000 Facebook fans and realized that half of them were in Mexico. And his sales agent never sold Mexico or anywhere in Latin America for that matter. So guess what? He's working with Distrify, which is one of our media partners, and a, and a DIY digital tool and platform that we – or I shouldn't say platform, but tool that we recommend. And, and he's going to be able to sell directly to those fans. So you want to be able to do that kind of thing. You know, otherwise you're just going to be sitting there like waiting for something to happen that never happens, and you're going to be pretty bummed out when your movie's not being shown – or barely being shown, and whatever money is being made is going right to the sales agent. And, you know, I've seen those those deals go down, and some of that is covered in our book as well. Six figures of revenue come in, but you only get 3000 bucks because after the fees and the expenses. And I'm not, you know, this isn't like, this isn't uh, all or nothing. It, you know, it's never black and white entirely. Obviously, there are times when that is a paradigm that can function for certain kinds of films and certain kinds of filmmakers. I'm just saying very often You've got to be careful and watch out, and that's what this book is is meant to help you do. Oh, fantastic. Let me just say this as a reminder for people, if you're just joining us now live, uh, you can go back and hear the entire show. Uh, these shows are recorded live. They're also available at RegSykes.com in the interviews blog. They're available from iTunes Podcast, and they're available from Blog Talk Radio. You know, Arlie, you, you are such a wealth of information, and it leads me to ask so many uh, questions, and, and one of them is, is in the form of a statement, but uh, I'll follow up with the question, and that is it, it makes sense from what you're talking about that, that people educate themselves and become savvy in what it is they're trying to accomplish. You know, If you're going to sell your film, you're going to sell your rights, and you're going to be dealing with companies, then you should know and understand enough about business and you should understand enough about contracts that you don't get yourself into situations that you would not want to be in. Um, you know, there, in, in terms of a real contract, there's usually a time frame and there's a penalty, for, you know, if, if things aren't, you know, or, or something's given up if things aren't, uh, or rights revert back if, if things aren't accomplished within that particular time frame. So, you know, if you're giving your rights to somebody, it's for a specified amount of time and they have a right to accomplish. Anyway, the point being is that it, it, it benefits people to, to learn this stuff, but also you, Film Collaborative has, you, you, people can consult. They They can come to you. And for nominal fees, they can, you know, or whatever, you have different platforms, but they can come and, and you can help educate them or you can work the deals for them. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. No, of course. Uh, and everything I'm about to say is, is also represented on our website, which is thefilmcollaborative.org. But, yeah, we, we, we have super low fee, uh, you know, consultation educational uh, sessions. Um, the most expensive one uh, is 500 bucks for half a year of unlimited consultation. It used to be 350 for the year, but it almost that almost killed me. Um, but you know that's you know that's if you really have a lot that you want to go through and talk about and get extensive guidance and consultation. Um, and otherwise, it's even cheaper. And for example, contracts. You know, we work with a wonderful attorney 
uh, who you know also happens to be my girlfriend, but her name is Sherry Song, and she, um, you know, she works with us to help us do contracts as well. And um, and you know, I think that's frankly, I think that's one of the best services we provide is that kind of like low fee contract consultation and also deal negotiation services with you know somebody who, myself really knows the business, the business on, from both directions, having done acquisitions and sales. So I mean, you know, you pay five hundred bucks for a contract uh, if that's all that we're doing. Um, or you know we'll, we'll do some sort of low fi fee or low commission uh, uh, deal if we're actually soliciting the deals for you. Um, and I should say, because, you know, this is how we work, and, and John Reese and Sherry Candler work in their own ways, and you can see on their own websites how they work. But we're going to offer some sort of joint uh, in honor of the book, "Selling Your Film Without Selling Your Soul." We're going to order us. We're going to um, offer a "Selling Your Film Without Selling Your Soul." combo consultation package that is going to be 600 bucks and that's going to be also put up put, put up on the site soon so you know in any and the truth is we're, we're very filmmaker friendly so you know we don't want to be exploited but we we always work with filmmakers based on their specific needs and uh, you know do our best to help them out i mean we're a nonprofit, so we're not but the whole point for us is to to be an educational resource well, I mean, the reason that I ask that is because people should know that there are things that they can do by themselves, and if they learn and they get educated, depending on how steep that learning curve is and how quickly they're able to acquire, you know, expertise in an area, um, that they can do that that way. Or there are avenues open to them, and that is consultation. They can come to you. They can go to an entertainment attorney. But they should also, whenever they're choosing a resource, they should investigate the resources and know who they're going to. So especially when it comes to attorneys, because those dollars add up real quick. Uh, exactly, well, exactly. That's why we offer the low-cost legal, because that can be an expensive way to learn. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but now here's – Movie budgets vary wildly these days because people are making movies at essentially no budgets. You know, they have almost no money whatsoever. And then they're making $4,000, $7,000 movies. They're making, again, I, I won't go through the whole thing, but all the way up to, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, but we're assuming that nobody's in the hundreds of millions of dollars category, although some of my listeners, in fact, are. But for those people who, when we're talking about making their budget back, you know, if, if if let's say I made a movie for five thousand dollars tomorrow, and I go to a distributor, it, it does it hurt me or help me to tell them I got a five thousand dollar movie here? That's what it cost me. Or are they just going to look at it and and go, okay, we'll give you a, a thousand bucks, or we're going to give you a hundred thousand bucks? I mean, how do, how do these when? Or if I made a movie for five hundred thousand dollars, I mean, I understand that that's harder to get my money back. Or a million dollars, that's that's harder to get my money back because there's more money invested. But what if I'm in that, you know, ten thousand, five thousand to hundred thousand dollar range? What what do I do? Yeah. I mean, how do you know? I know I'm hearing I'm hearing you, and I mean I think uh, the truth is, uh, you still with me? I am. Yeah. Oh, good. Perfect. Sorry. Um, uh, I, if you're that low, I wouldn't broadcast that because I think that'll just give distributors a reason to, you know, under like lowball you, right? Um, and not and and feel like, oh well, you already got all your money back. If you're at the higher end, it's not going to make them offer you more money. Like they're still going to offer you the money that they, you know, feel like 
they can and want to based on the business that they think they'll do with the film. But, you know, but buyers do judge films based on their production values. And, you know, I, you know, I've used that in negotiation to some extent, like, look, you know, the producer needs to recoup and, you know, you can get a little bit more. You're not going to get tens of thousands more very often based on, you know, that discrepancy. And like I said, you know, if you're at the super low end and it doesn't look like that, I would just keep that a secret, like make that, you know, something you know and nobody else knows uh, until the deals are all done. Um, you know, and we, we absolutely always find out the budgets of films, and we always work based on that to try to help filmmakers recoup. And we had a filmmaker who, or I should say an investor, who made a film that was based on a preceding film of the same topic, um, and he felt like the first one made untold millions, to use his words, but he really hadn't analyzed, you know, gross versus net. Um, and so he didn't realize that it wasn't like untold millions of profit necessarily. And he spent $1.2 million making the second film. And, you know, the truth is by the time he got around to trying to recoup all that money back, um, because of some confused strategy, like on the one hand trying to get sponsorship, on the other hand trying to sell rights, but not doing it, not setting things up in, in advance in time, in time before a festival premiere, um, money was literally wasted. You know, opportunities that were there were a bit uh, complicated um, and compromised. So, you know, especially if you're at the higher budget level and you really need to recoup, um, all the more reason for advanced planning and strategizing such that you can really do the math and try to add it up. You know, we, we've seen it go down all sorts of ways. So, I mean, we very often have helped filmmakers recoup their budget, and, and that, that often happens when their budget is less than a million. Um, when it starts to be above that, it's, it's obviously really hard. And, and, and half a million can be way too much for certain films, too. So it just depends on the movie as well. Um, there, you know, we were saying, like, these days, uh, less than $200,000 seems to be the sweet spot of, you know, really, really recoupable. And there are even films that are made for $30,000 that don't recoup. So, again, you know, I'll never forget Prince of Broadway. That's a great story where I think they made the movie for thirty thousand and they won ninety thousand in prize money. So they recoup, but you can't but you can't count on that, right? You can't be sure you're gonna win the Canary Islands Film Festival. You just it either happens or it doesn't. Um or the prize in the Abu Dhabi Festival I think is two hundred grand. But you know so um but, you know, we absolutely work for that. I mean, one of our films, Undertow, is, you know, I think the only – well, actually, there are two films that are European-made, and, you know, those films don't – you know, they usually have money they don't have to pay back. So that's, you know, that's another issue, like depending on the source of, of, of income, whether it's grants or, you know, EU funding or whatever, um, whether you have to pay it back is what also helps in the analysis. But most American filmmakers are in a position where they have to pay it back. So we always encourage people to be honest and and uh, to disclose whatever they have to disclose. But but filmmakers don't have to necessarily disclose their budget to uh, people who are picking up their might be interested in picking up their film. No, I wouldn't. I mean, you know, that's not. It's one thing when you do delivery. Of course, you don't lie or anything like that. I'm just saying. But in the process of doing it, you know, you're in the process of talking to a TV station or to a, an all rights buyer and. You know, that's you've got to be salesman at that point. And you know, if they ask you, you can just say, "I'm sorry, I don't reveal that information." I'm not saying a lie. I'm just saying. You no, know, no, I understand that. You don't have yeah, to make so. you don't have to make it available. Well, I, the reason I ask that is because a lot of times I think people, you know, IMDb asks for budget information. People put their budget information up, whether it's accurate or inaccurate. Sometimes they inflate it to make it sound big. Sometimes they, I think with Paranormal Activity and some of these movies where you, there's a myth that they were made at low cost and then you know somehow became these. I don't mean that they weren't made at low cost, but the, they became these huge hits as if nothing else was contributed. 
We, I mean, exactly. That happened, you know, that's happened before where, you know, a film costs a certain thing, but then there's all this money spent on music clearance or this huge amount of money spent on marketing. So, you know, and then with those mythologies, I mean, it just doesn't work. You know, it's like that was a phenomenon and it's, you know, only going to be repeated by the Paranormal Activity series. Or, you know, if it's going to be repeated again, it's not going to be because you planned it that way. Exactly. Right. It's just something you, it's hard to, it's hard to plan. It's, that kind of thing is hard to plan. In any case, you know, Inflating your budget is rarely, is rarely if ever useful. So, um, and then you know, br- bragging about how low it costs is only useful from a community building perspective, I suppose, or you know, just for your own bragging rights that you're a, a really efficient producer. But it's not going to help you in the distribution scene. Excellent. I mean, that is that is good for people to know. And I and I especially like the fact that we have again, and just to reiterate, that you don't have to tell. Uh, the people you're negotiating with, your budget. But but having said that, you also made the point that people can look at something and get an idea of what it costs. I mean, there are enough experts in this field to know production value. Well, but, you know, the other thing is, I mean, one of the, I mean, aside from telling producers that they should start raising 10 to 20% above their budget to, to for the marketing and distribution of their film that I've been saying for years, I've also said, you know, start vesting everyone in your back end. So it could be that you didn't have to spend that much money on the front end for your film, but I believe that people can start functioning like managers and everyone gets their piece of the back end, so you have very little upfront costs and you're paying it on the back end, but it doesn't mean that you don't have that budget, right? That, that you just, it's just a different way of analyzing the budget. But I'm very interested in that paradigm, and I think that that will work very, very well uh, in the future. I think so, people are – go ahead, go ahead. Let me. No, 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 that's, that's, that's all. I'm good. <laughs> well, I mean, this is an interesting point. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are very gun-shy about the notion of, you know, a deferred payment. And uh, and I'm all for paying people if you can pay them and or paying, you know, a part of it and deferring the rest of it or putting back end points, you know, where you can, you know – give them to to people so the, but this, this raises a really interesting thing in other words if you could shoot your movie let's say you had a thousand dollars but you could shoot it for a hundred put 900 to your to your marketing and your distribution you got a better chance of making your money back wouldn't I, 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 I am gathering what you say um, because you're spending it where it counts if you could get everything you wanted on the screen for a hundred bucks then the rest of it should go into the into the uh, promoting and the potential sale of it so that you can recoup your money and those people at the back end get paid. Yeah, absolutely. And the way I see it is is uh, everybody who's working on your film has a vested interest in your film because it's part of their professional life and their career. And and ideally, you pick people who have facility with social network marketing and a community around themselves. And so if, you, if you're assembling a team of folks who can be part of your family around your film, and they're all going to be proselytizers in a way, in a good way, you know, then they all they all have incentive to, to do the work way past when the film is made. And I think that's a good – I just – I'm very interested in that model. It's not, I don't think, exploitive of the folks who put their time in the front end, but everyone's putting their time in the front end. You know, the director, the writer, the producer. So why not, you know, bring up, bring the below-the-line folks, the, you know, the above-the-line talent, everybody. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a movie that way once, I swear to God. And, you know, just it's going to be a pie chart. And, you know, we're all going to have our roles, um, you know, making the film and in releasing the film. And then we're, you know, all going to share in the money. And I think it's, a, I, I just think that could make filmmaking a lot easier and also be a lot more holistic, I think, and sustainable in the long term. Um, and that makes sense, you know. It's, 
that way it's not and I, cause I also feel like sometimes it's just, you know, the director gets noticed and stuff. And I, I just feel like this could be an interesting way to build community around film within the filmmaking process, you know, and, and, and then it's a team. Well, it, it, you know, it's, it's I'm just thinking about this right now, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I guess, yeah, kind of like brainstorming here. We, we, but, I mean, it is one of those things that, um, you know, it flies in the face of conventional, the way conve- things have been done in the past. It flies in the in the face of what, it, 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 to me, it would smack of the kind of thing that, uh, you know, Sav was involved with 34 years ago that I didn't like. But, I understand, but but those weren't the days to do that. I mean, your your traditional model is that you make a movie and you write the director gets some credit and the 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 key actors go out and promote it if it's if they're visible enough actors and they they have some TV channels or some public appearances or some radio appearances or something to promote the film and everybody else kind of moves on or does whatever and the film you know uh, sinks or swims. But today we're in a different world now, where the social media—I I love it. It's like you know, grocery stores co-opt, you know, or people even pay to belong to a co-op, you know, and and in return they get some groceries. Well, what if what if you did that? What if you had co-opted filmmaking, like like what you say, where everybody's got a vested interest, but now because everybody's into social networking and because we have these outlets and we can communicate, that the grip and the gaffer and the and the cable puller and everybody would be out there, you know social networking about this movie because they stand to make money if it's successful. Yeah, not just money, but also, you know, if the film well, performs right. well, they, they're part of a successful release that, you know, will get them more work. And, you know, the right. co-op, I mean, you get your groceries cheaper and you also do your work once a month. You know, you also do some work right. uh, behind, you know. So, yeah, I mean, the one, you know, my takeaway from everything is to just remember that, you know, these days the ways the films reach audiences and make money are accessible by everyone without giving up all rights and, you know, that everyone can participate in, in, in you know, you don't need to take out a print out of the New York Times. In fact, if you do, you're almost definitely throwing money out the window, but rather, you know, just the activity of, of sharing information um, on, you know, on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and on blogs. And also, as Sherry Callers says, not just, you know, not just promoting your movie, but the point is to be engaged in what the film is about and building a community around the film genuinely, that's going to, that's going to reap great rewards, especially if you're a filmmaker who's got a brand and who's sort of more consistently speaking to certain kinds of communities repeatedly. Um, And then if you're having a team participate in that, that's going to reap rewards. And then when you make your film available off your site, it's going to go really well because you're going to have a a hell of a lot of people already looking for it, already paying attention, you know, or, even if it's like Sita Sings the Blues where the film is made available for free, they're still going to donate to you because they want to support your work or they're still going to want to buy your merchandise or they're still going to want to buy your DVD even though they can get the film for free. So, you know, just there, just examples abound about how well this can work and how you really don't need the help of any all rights taken gatekeeper to access audiences. Well, I mean, merchandising, I mean, there's there's – there's so much. My my daughter makes a lot of videos and puts them out on YouTube, but she also follows some people on YouTube and has recently her birthday was up. I said, what do you want? And, and almost everything she wanted were like T-shirts from the different filmmakers that she follows. So dad got out his credit card and bought you know her tons of T-shirts from these different places. Um, the people gave away their stuff for free, but they but they made a sale ultimately, you know, from fans. I mean, so, so I mean, it, it's a very fascinating, you know, place we are in the world where, where I think some people don't think enough about giving value first and anticipating that, that value
value will be given back. Now, for every, I will say this because I've been in, I've I've been in distrib- distributed my own products and my own stuff for years, and you know, there's a notion that well, you know, if I put this out there, someone's going to steal it, or if I put if I sell this on my website for you know 30 bucks or 500 bucks, you know, somebody's going to return it and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that does happen, but not nearly as much as the people who pick it up. And go with it, you know, and say, "Wow, this is cool. I really liked it." So, I mean, there's again, what I, I just trying to piggyback on what you say in terms of, you know, we're in an exciting place for filmmakers and content makers to interact and intersect with uh, people out there who want to be involved in one way or another, whether it's supporting you by getting, you know, a product, whether it's uh, dialogue off of Facebook or something. This is a, this is a, an amazing kind of beehive world we're in right now. Now I want to ask you this because this is this is a um, I think a, a, a correlation to uh, the movie making we're talking about. Now as opposed to making deals with a publisher and, and receiving advancements and then royalties, you found sponsors to pay for your book development, your costs and your printing costs in exchange for promotion. Now is this a route that? Uh, that artists, and I think we're talking about this, that they should try, and, and how did you convince these sponsors to help? Uh, oh, but yes, it is a route that people should try, and uh, it was very easy to convince one. The way we did it, and I just uh, wrote a little blog about this that we're going to post as well, just so people can read about the process. Um, you know, we just, uh, I mean, for a very, very, like literally for five seconds, we thought, oh, should we, you know, you know, go to a publisher, but we quickly rejected that because you know that's not what this book is about and so we were going to practice what we preach and um you know and and you know film collaborative is all about education so we really needed and wanted to do something that was going to be available for free to some extent and so the way to do that of course was to have it sponsored and you know i absolutely uh have been working in that mode uh with with certain kinds of films and pursuing that for a long time and it's and it's i think that that the film industry is ripe for that more now than than ever before and it was very easy to find sponsors because it's not like we like went to you know a sneakers company or Nike and said can you sponsor our book? That's like a total disconnect. We we went to companies that you know are in the business of providing services to filmmakers um, that relate to DIY and hybrid distribution, and so they're the perfect fit for our book, which has that that filmmaking community as its audience. Not all the traditional, you know, we're not for even every filmmaker. We're, we're our book is targeted towards filmmakers who have an interest in perhaps not giving away all their rights and looking into, you know, options that, that are other than that, hybrid, DIY, peer-to-peer, and, and and the like. So, you know, it's a perfect match. It was super, I mean, honestly, like, you know, it, it, it didn't take long. It was really easy. Our sponsors are pre-screened as our presenting sponsor um, of, the, of, of all the digital formats of the book. And then for the printed edition, for the paperback edition, pre-screen and Area 23A came on board. Um, and, Sna- and then the other sponsors of the, the digital book are Snag Films, Dynamo Player, uh, Distrify is a media partner, Gravitas Ventures is another spo- is another wonderful sponsor of our book, and ev- you know everything's on our website because I'm still tired from not having from uh, it's a little early still for me, but um, on SellingYourFilm.com you'll see all that. But anyway, it worked out really well. So we you know we got everything paid for, um, and 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 that way we're we're not in the hole. We're already in the black. And the book can be out, and it can be free for this month, and and there'll always be a version for free, and we're not we're not stressing about that, you know, and um and and I'm so I I really recommend that strategy. However, it takes knowing the you know it takes knowing your audience, in our case our readership, and it takes you know also lead time. I mean, I didn't just do this like last week. It takes I did see a film that had really super 
strong possibility to get sponsors for its first distribution. However, it went to sponsors without a distribution plan. And what we did was we created a deck being very clear. You know, we're going to be making this 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 book known at these following festivals and events. We're going to, you know, mar- we, we, you know, we're going to do outreach to our lists that are that are, you know, this, you know, this big. We're going to, you know, do blog work and social network outreach to this community. And it's working. I mean, the sponsors are super happy. Prescreen is super happy and their service is just launching. So, you know, and Gravitas Ventures is super happy. You know, it's it's working for them. It's working for us. I couldn't recommend it more. Do you think that this uh, – two questions here, but do you think that this is something filmmakers can do to get their movies made? I mean, it, traditionally you have had, you know, give me you know, some catering or, or let me use your autos and we'll give you a credit in the back of the movie. And uh, and and people do, you know, they, for a special thanks or for a credit or or for even a, uh, you know, a, a, an unpaid, uh, you know, product placement, you know, in exchange for, you know, goods or services. Um, do you think this is a this is an avenue that filmmakers can do? And to clarify, uh, because there's some people who who I had a conversation with somebody the other day, whether it's government involvement or or otherwise through incentives, their concern is, you know, well. Do the people, would the sponsors in this case, control what is written or determine how the book is released? Uh, is your content subject to review from them, or are you free to go about, you know, doing whatever it is that you want to do? Yeah, I and, mean, in and, our and case, will uh, that apply to films too? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, in our case, there was, of course, no. I mean, first of all, our content came first. You know, we got. I mean, meaning that was already decided who would be covered in the book and what was going to be said, and and we got. You know, the sponsors had no control whatsoever. I would have never done that. And in fact, the letter at the front of the book explains all of that. And and there are companies like New Video that, because we think they're a great uh, distributor and aggregator that are promoted in the book that have that didn't give us a dollar. You know, meaning we. It, it's no, no, nobody got covered because they gave us money, and nobody didn't get covered because they didn't give us money, and the people who gave us money didn't have any control whatsoever. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I think with films, I, I think it's more complicated on the production side. I think that, you know, the kind of money that you're going to look for for produ- producing uh, is likely to be such that you're going to need a bigger corporate partner. And, of course, the bigger the corporate partner, the more control controlling they're going to be about their brand. So, you know, that, I mean, I know with Adventures of Power, you know, Ari joked that he wished he'd been eating a, a, a Cheerios cereal instead of just a generic O, you know, and maybe then he would have gotten the company to sponsor. But, um, you know, and he did get he did get a sneaker brand to, to sponsor um, his, you know, his, one of his events later on after the book. I think the sponsorship model is easier for the distribution of films because then there's a finished film that they can look at. You can have a distribution plan, and if there's a synergy between the brand and the movie, um, it's clear how many eyeballs, you know, you can really map out how many impressions you're going to generate for them and how many, you know, different ways that you can service their brand. You know, I mean, one of the reasons we were able to do this model is because I've been doing media sponsorship for AFI Fest, and now we're doing it, my for-profit company is doing some of that for Film Society Lincoln Center, and it's something that we've done where, you know, uh, we just see how that model works. I think for producing, you know, unless you're a name director or you have name cast, you may have less control, especially if you need significant money. But you know, the, I think the lower, the less money you need, the easier it should be. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of before the movie's finished, and well, once the movie's now, finished, I think it's easier. Hmm? Do you do you end up with uh, rights issues like music issues? You know, let's say I put a box of Cheerios in my film, and I then go to you know to whoever Cheerios, I don't know. Yeah. No, no, you're like only going to do that if you uh, if you if they're your sponsor. I mean, you know, if I go to them first as a sponsor, in other yeah, words, you, you if, just you know, have to plan for that ahead of time. 
Yeah. Okay. That's that's just what I want to make sure that that the listeners understand that they they're not you just don't go out and insert things now, <laughs> which includes pictures on walls and t-shirts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean that that's an E and O thing. I mean the truth is if you're not if you're not tarnishing the brand, you're likely not to have a problem. It's just that you don't want to take that risk because otherwise you know especially to get E and O insurance or a distributor might be worried. If you are going to rely on it, if if you're not relying on a distributor, it may not matter. But if you if you're planning on that, even even you know, Apple may have concerns. You know, so even if it's not a distributor, even if it's just a platform that's corporate and publicly traded like Apple, they don't want to be sued. So, you know, you're going to need to get your E&O insurance, and your E&O insurance may or may not take issue with that. Um, you know, there, there are things that are, like, sort of in public domain are, are, are fair use. However, it's always a question of context, and you take that risk. So I, it's not a risk worth taking. However, it's more like if you have the box of cereal and it could easily be, in, you know, in, in post-production made into a Cheerios box if if they come on board, then, you know, Mills or whatever. I forget the, which cereal maker makes that. But anyway, uh, General Mills maybe. But, um, yeah. yeah. That's so, good. I was thinking I just, you know. I couldn't. I couldn't pull it up at the moment. I thought, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, it, it is uh, fascinating. Let's let's again. It's selling your film without selling your soul. It is available today and through uh, the first of October, absolutely free for uh, a PDF and uh, different electronic formats, Kindles and iPad versions and things like that. You, you did say that the price will go up after the first of October, and some of these for for a nominal fee. Uh, but there also will be a released, a published version of the book. That will sell for 19.95, but from your website, you're going to be be uh, making it available for 9.95, and the uh, website is sellyourfilm.com. Sellingyourfilm.com. Sellingyourfilm.com. Yes, sir. Glad that you corrected me. Yes, sellingyourfilms.com, and it's the filmcollaborative.org. And of course, John Reese and Sherry Candler are also co-authors of the book. They have their own respective uh, websites and. Facebook pages and selling your film without selling your soul is also on Facebook as a Facebook page. It's Orly is on Facebook. So uh, there's many different ways to intersect with these uh, fine, uh, well-educated and and uh, great resource people um, for you and the listeners. I mean, for the listeners and you to intersect. So this is awesome. Uh, what is the? Uh, I want to just make sure that we've we've clarified this. The best way to go about getting sponsors or to find sponsors for your film or your product as artists is to do what? What's the kind of homework that they need to do? Look and see who who might have done this in the past. What what where, where yeah. do you go exactly? There's several things that they should do, and, and and we're happy to help filmmakers do that. If they want to contact me, uh, they can email me at orly at thefilmcollaborative.org. But they should, you know, they have to know their audience. They have to be able to describe their audience in detail, and I'm sure Sherry Candler would have a lot to say about that because uh, she's very, very – that's a you know very big tenant to her beliefs as well. Um, they have to have a plan. You know, how – you know, the, the brand – first of all, corporate brands do their plannings, you know, half a year to a year in advance or more. So you really have to target brands well in advance of when you need the money. Um, and you have to be able to say, you know, here's what my film is or is going to be. Here's the audience that it's targeting. Here's the plan of how it's going to get out there. Here's the different ways that your brand is going to be exposed, you know, and start to quantify that in terms of numbers and impressions. And, and there's also different caliber of impressions. So there's different – and different brands have different objectives, some that are national, some that are international, some that are regional. So you have to do your homework. Um and anticipate that and present the information in a professionally created deck. I'm not, it's not easy. It takes work and time. But, you know, some films are so ripe for that. You know, if you have a film that's about a specific issue, 
um, you know, that's it's a it's much more viable. I think like a general interest film that has just a general audience, you know, that's a a distribution concern already, and b that's going to be harder to get sponsorship for, you know, unless it's you know like a big movie with big cast. Awesome. All right. Well, you know that that and for me that's just about it. But I know that you had mentioned that there was something you wanted to ask listeners. And uh, oh yes. Well, I you. you yeah, no, thanks, Rex. I mean, I sorry, I I'm um I've been uh wanting the you know, the film collaborative to you know, the film collaborative does digital distribution directly already. We have a YouTube rental channel, uh we you know, we have an Amazon deal, we have a deal with Best Buy, we know we have a lot of different dis- digital distribution deals. We can do Netflix through one of our partners, um, although they've been in process of going direct with us, but it's taking longer than we thought, all that kind of thing. But, you know, we've never, we've always sort of struggled with the degree to which we do digital directly versus with our partners, because cable VOD, for example, we do not do directly at all. We work with various different companies to do that. Um, But I want to, you know, I wanted to figure out a way that Film Collaborative could do digital distribution more directly so that it could be truly full service and that much more sustainable for filmmakers um, so that, you know, we don't have to rely on other companies all the time. But I really wanted to figure out a way to do that that's different. I'm not interested in competing with other aggregators. I'm not interested in pretending we can do all things for all people. Sherry and I discuss this all the time, like to really hone in on the right kinds of filmmakers and the audiences that we want to serve and that we can serve well because I don't want to do it unless we can do it well. And that requires focus, you know, and streamlining and and knowing – knowing, you know, honing in on a particular audience. So I'm curious to hear filmmakers' feedback on what they would like to see the Film Collaborative do, what they think the Film Collaborative can, how the Film Collaborative can be of service in that way that will be most useful instead of just, you know, a general aggregator solution, which there's plenty of aggregators in the world. I don't know that we need to be just another one. So let me know. I'm open okay, to your So thoughts. they can reach you through, again through Orly at uh, filmcollaborative.com? dot org dot org dot org Early at the film collaborative dot org o r g I'm so glad you're here to correct me <laughs> that's okay you. I think I actually think that dot com might come to me as well I think we we reserve that too and reroute it anyway yeah thank you so much Rex thank you for asking well, about I, that well you know and when I you know, no no when I said that it means mean that there there's so much that we could be talking about and I certainly want to have you back on the show again and again and again and to continue to to uh, discuss and explore uh, the notion of of uh, distribution. Now, you talk about, you know, uh, and, and define it and then maybe uh, talk a little bit about it. What is P2P so that people know? Because this is hybrid DIY, you just, you know, do it yourself and P2P in terms of distribution. Peer to peer, and that is uh, the category of distribution that Sherry Candler's chapter that focuses on, and she covers Pioneer One the Cosm- and Cosmonauts and um, Sita Sings the Blues. And those films, their distribution involves uh, services and sites such as Vodo and other torrent sites where the film is being, you know, distributed by peers, you know, sharing files of the film through peer-to-peer networks. And it's uh, a a very different way. You know, Vodo monetizes films by having donations given and Sita Sings the Blues. Her her film was made available for free. She did did a copyleft situation with her film and, and, and didn't retain copyright to her film. So anyone could monetize her film. And yet she has made, you know, uh, several hundred thousand dollars, I think like already either high $300,000 or low $400,000 from her film, having made it available for free, and yet she was also still able to sell DVDs just because, meaning the film could be accessed for free on the Internet, 
um, for a long time, forever. And, and, and yet she still makes money because people still want to buy merchandise from her. They still want to donate to her. They still want to invite her to speak about her film. They still want to buy DVDs from her, even though they can get the thing for free. They still went to pay to see the film in the theater, even they'd already, even though they'd already seen the film for free. So it's an example. Uh, and you know, this in her, all three films, um, have different details around these examples, different uh, examples around this theme of making your film available for free and, and yet making the money back for, you know, and more for the, you know, for what it costs you to make. So um, that's Sherry Candler's chapter, and she focuses on peer-to-peer distribution, a.k.a. P2P. Well, I think that today the filmmaker is more responsible than ever for, uh, and accountable forever, than ever in getting their audience to uh, getting their film to an audience or an audience to their film. Uh, in the old days, you know, people made movies, they handed it over to a distribution company and it was kind of out of their hands. You know, they could say nice things about it or they could disparage it at their leisure, but but they didn't really have much say. Now we have that say. Now we have uh, you know, opportunities to do that. And and it and because we have that, I think we're also responsible for uh, creating a loyal fan base, you know, friends out there who are our peers and who feel that we add value to them and they add value to us. And I think whenever you can add value and you can contribute and you can give things away and you can make other people, uh, you know, have a good day or put a smile on their face or if they're into horror and you can scare them and you and you deliver the goods, uh, then, you know, people, I, I mean, I'm always happy to talk about something that delights me you know or something that i find or something that i discover that i didn't know about and i know many people are prone more to talk about you know how some customer service person you know abused them or you know how they got cheated at the gas pump or something but it it is absolutely equally valid and and especially true that that if you know you do something really well and 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 you help people to discover that that they can in turn uh, reward you in in many different ways Absolutely, and I think crowdfunding crowdfunding sites uh, such as Indiegogo and Kickstarter um, prove that people love to support, you know, what something that they consider to be important or useful or good or worthy, and they're happy to do it. And people, you know, people not in the arts, you know, that's a way that they can feel, you know. Connected to the arts as well, or people in the arts want to support the arts, of course, because they're part of that community. I know I support my local NPR station, KCRW, regardless of the fact that I get it for free. I support it because it's—I value it, and I want to—I want to feel good that I'm part of keeping it going. So, you know, if you care about film, and you know, other anybody who cares about film and art or the topic of a particular film or the cause of a particular film is going to feel really good. It feels good to give. So it's going to feel very good to support that and, and help nourish the people behind it. And I think you just have to trust in that. And the key is, you know, make something that is your best, you know, be, you know, instead of something, I think people kind of, as you started talking about at the beginning of this, of this show, the modes of, of access, you know, have, it's so much easier to make a film. It's so much cheaper to make a film. And I think sometimes people can rush and, you know, there's way too many films for you to rush it out. Take your time, make something wonderful that is your best work, that is representative of your true authentic voice, and you will find an audience and it will support you. That is excellent. And we're going to have to leave it there for today. But again, you know, you're welcome back at any time. It's selling your film without selling your soul. Filmcollaborative.org is one of the websites selling your Film. Make sure I say it right now. You said selling your film without selling your soul is the book. Sellingyourfilm.com is the site. 
and the filmcollaborative.org is our site. Is that good? That's good, and it's with uh, uh, Orly Ravita, of the film collaborative, John Reese, who, author of Think Outside the Box, and Sherry Candler, who has uh, a, a great voice in terms of marketing and PR. So uh, you're going to want to get the book, and there are many different ways. If you just tuned into the show late, go back and listen to it, and uh, and uh, you'll hear all about the wonderful things that uh, these fine people are offering. Be sure to take advantage of it now while you can in the format, and do, uh, you know, Help them out, you know. Spread the word, share uh, what you can share, and and uh, I wish you the best of success with the book. I know it's going to be successful. I'm so happy that you did it. I'm so happy that you've been here. I look forward to having you back. I look forward to having John and Sherry on in the future, and I look forward to all my listeners returning and those people in the chat room. You guys are great. We couldn't do this, you know. We do this for you. We wouldn't couldn't. Couldn't have as much fun without you there. Uh, I'm going to give some shout-outs to some of the people who are remaining gaffer girls and, and, and Graham Inman and uh, Georgia Lyon and let's see who's Conrad Steif or Steve, uh, Little Hermes here, Post Woman Movie, uh, Rick Webb, King Sphinx, Mike Glancy, Movie Angel, and, and others who have come and gone throughout the show or have emailed and said, you know, i got to get back to work, but I'll listen later. Uh, I want to thank you all for being here. Continue to spread the word. Please do leave comments after the show window closes there with the player closes. Leave it if you listen to this as a podcast. And I encourage you to get these interviews as podcasts because there's over 200 of them that you can download to your favorite electronic device. Take it with you wherever you go. And uh, and then rate and review, leave good comments and, and positive ratings, and we'll 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 reach more and more people uh, as we move along. Thanks so much for listening. I got great guests coming up. Orly, you've been fantastic. I'm going to say goodbye for now. Have an incredible day, and enjoy uh, this first day of the release. And uh, and we'll check back with you later. Thank you so much, Rex. It's been a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Oh, you, likewise. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. All right. Well, that was Orly Ravine of the Film Collaborative. Again, fascinating hour. Uh, it's over an hour conversation on distributing and uh, and connecting with an audience and making things happen. I really want to thank you, Orly, for being here. And I thank you, your readers and listeners. Uh, many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned. Um, oh, and the Film Collab, I think, is her, <laughs> her Twitter address. I think it's film, F-I-L-M-C-O-L-L-A-B, is is her on is Orly on Twitter the film collaborative? If not, go to Twitter and search the you know film collaborative or Orly Review and see what comes up and you, and you'll get her address. Uh, please like me at Facebook, okay? Rex Sykes Movie Beach. You can click the the like button right there and uh, join uh, my uh, Facebook friends page. You can visit my profile there at Facebook and do visit the YouTube channel Rex Sykes Movie Beat. It's new. It's got some interviews up. I think you'll like it. Let me know. Subscribe, uh, friend us, and. Everybody have a fabulous day. Use this information that you got today to continue to make your movies and get your movies out to the people who you want to get them out to. Uh, I know you're going to listen to this over and over again because I sure will. And uh, make your movies. Have a fabulous day. Complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, that is a wrap. I guess uh, somebody just got me. If you're still listening... You gotta leave comments once the show is completely off the air. You gotta wait till it's completely off the air. Okay, I broke my rap, and now we rap again. Bye bye. <laughs>